Tom Bernard Show with Catherine Brandt, although she's not in here yet. Andy Brandt Bernard. Mike Molina. And at the virtual right hand, Ralph W. Basham, MD, the Hackmaster. A lot of really weird news today, but I kind of like weird news days on the Tom Bernard Show. We'll be right back. Due to the billions of marketing dollars spent by Walzer Automotive on Tom Bernard Podcast, you hopefully know that Walzer sells cars. What you might not know is that they also have two full-service collision repair centers in the Twin Cities. They're fully certified by all insurance carriers and can help you navigate all the paperwork if you ever have an accident. But wait, there's more. They've also been in the paintless dent repair business for nearly 30 years and can take those pesky dings out for just a fraction of what traditional bodywork costs. Broken windshield? Walzer Collision is a fleet of full-service mobile glass repair trucks as well. Walzer are pros at body and glass repair, but don't take my word for it. They have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and a nearly perfect 4.8 Google rating. Check them out at walzercollision.com. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. Unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, Edwin Hawkins dies at the age of 74. That woman's name is, was it Carolyn? I can't remember what her name is. What a phenomenal singer, though. Great song. That that song was a huge pop hit. I don't know if you guys know that or not. That was played on Top 40 Radio, a gospel song played on Top 40 Radio, because she is such a great singer. And it was a big hit. Well, everyone's heard it. Yeah, everyone knows that song. So we, uh, we lose Dolores O'Reardon from the Cranberries and uh, Edwin Hawkins, the Edwin Hawkins Singers Gospel Group. I am a, even though I'm not a very religious guy, I am a huge gospel fan. I love gospel music. Is that weird? No, I think it's from where you, ca- you grew up. You grew up in, yeah. uh, you know, exposed to that culture, and it's a, and yeah, it's true. A, it's a, makes you feel at home. It absolutely does. Because now again, when I when I went in seventh grade, we moved up from the Plymouth Avenue area up to uh, closer to West Broadway, which was, you know, it was not as rough an area. There's no question. It is now, unfortunately, but it wasn't back then. Uh, Plymouth was pretty a pretty rough and tumble area to, to grow up in. And then at uh, 12 years old, 
or 11 years old, I guess I, I would have been. We moved up toward the West Broadway, and that's where I got to know Andy Fisher and the Lorentz and Greg Lundine and Roy Matson and all those people. Um, but, yeah, I, I remember walking down Plymouth Avenue, and there were tent revivals on the corners, and they would be singing. Uh, there'd be people uh, speaking in tongues and people rolling around on the ground, and they're shouting the gospel. I mean, it was, it was something to see. There's no doubt about that. It was it was really something to see. And then, of course, in, uh, was it 67 or 68? I don't remember which one. I'm, I've got to believe it was 68 that uh, Plymouth Avenue burned to the ground, almost all of it. There are a couple of things left, like the old Hodroff Funeral Home, which is no longer a funeral home. But very few buildings were not burned to the ground on Plymouth Avenue back, uh, I'm pretty sure it was 68, because I think it was after Martin Luther King was assassinated. Uh, that's one thing I should. I want to mention briefly, as a matter of fact. Yesterday, on MLK Day, I, I sat down and I watched uh, Martin Luther King's final um, final uh, sermon, I guess, at his church before he was assassinated. I really wish people would sit down and, and watch that and listen to it because he would have no interest in what we're doing these days. This hating each other and, and this and that. He had no interest in that. His big lesson was to try to talk people into judging each other by the content of their character. And I took that to heart. I was only 16 years old at the time, but I thought, that makes sense. I don't care what your gender is, your, your, your orientation is, your race is. I don't care. If you're a jerk, you're a jerk. And if you're not a jerk, you're not a jerk. That's, that's all I need, right? Yeah, it is. It is. You guys I, agree with that? I agree. That, that's sort of... Um, allows you to get away from this idea of racism or sexism or anti-Semitism or whatever anti you're you're doing. It's just each person has to be judged individually rather than as a group. And group judgments never do work, but they're still going to be around because yeah, yeah. You have to you have to use individual character to try to dilute that out as much as we possibly can. That's what's the important thing. Plus the fact this this whole idea that we're all the same, uh, we got to give up on that whole lie because it's a flat out lie. We are not all the same. Uh, some people are smarter than other people. Some people are nicer people. Some people are mentally ill. Others aren't. We're not all the same. So stop saying, "Oh, well, let's get together and share the land, and we're all brothers and sisters, and we're all we're not all the same." And you're, it's never going to work if you if you keep thinking we're all the same because some people are not bright enough to handle the things that other people can handle. And I and I right. Or I would also uh, suggest that we don't want everybody to be the same, nor do we want to be able no. to be equal. In particularly financially, I think there is an innate human need to elevate some people to a certain level so that you can always believe, oh, I could have been there, you know, but I didn't have the skill. I don't have I wasn't I don't have the birthright. There's something that helped me back. I really think that's that's a reality. Otherwise, monarchies and uh, uh, royalty makes no sense at all. Makes no, no sense. I agree. What a waste of time that whole thing is. But, you know, the Brits love it, though. They love their royalty. Man, they just think that's the greatest thing in the world. But we basically, pretty much since JFK and probably since FDR, people treat the president of the United States and his family like royalty. Yeah. 
I mean, and, we really do. And, and but to a certain extent, I think Hollywood has really taken over the royalty position. Of the, those are the people, those yeah, are the absolutely. special few. They are the ones that are talked yep. about. They're they're worshipped. Of what they do, and 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 the longer you're there, the more higher a level you have. Like Tom Hanks. I'm, oh, he's just a. Oh, look, listen to what he says. Oh, yes, I can understand that. It's just. Yeah. Doesn't make necessarily make any sense at all, but that's what people need. They have a need for that group, and they will always seek it out. People need leaders. People need superiors, is what they need. People who they see as just overall better than them, so that they can follow instead of think. Superiors. Why do people then still insist that um, uh, it's all about me? More me now, me, me, me. Because of social media, I know is the reason. They think that. Well, they can still follow people and, you know, not have any opinions of their own, but still want free stuff. I guess. It's just pure selfishness. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. But, yeah, why don't we go back and do some reading? Why don't we go back and watch some videos of people like Martin Luther King Jr. and and learn a a few things? Because I never, ever uh, hear, you know, you hear the I Have a Dream speech a lot, great speech. But I think, again, the content of the character part of his life was huge. It really is, to me, all that matters in that speech. It's not your skin color. It's not your gender. It's not your orientation. It's none of those things. It's you're either a jerk or you're not. Yep. Right? That's Judge true. people by the content of their character. If you're a thief, I'm not going to like you as much. I don't care what color you are. It's just, I'm sorry, if you're a thief, and I don't care if some people, oh, well, some people have to be thieves because they just can't get by. Give me a break. 2018 in America, nobody needs to steal, but a lot of people still do. It's just the way it is. Uh, This family out in California, what the hell they were doing? An ordinary house in a California subdivision concealed a bizarre and disturbing case of torture and child abuse, police say. In a press release, the Riverside County Sheriff's Office says a 17-year-old girl called 911 early Sunday morning after escaping a home in Paris, that's P-E-R-R-I-S, and told the police her 12 siblings were being held captive by their parents. Police say that inside the uh, residence, they found several malnourished and dirty children shackled to their beds with chains and padlocks in dark and foul-smelling surroundings. And parents David and Louise Turpin were unable to provide a logical reason why they were restrained. Investigators initially thought that the couple's uh, 13 children were all juveniles, but they were shocked to discover that seven of the adults, seven of them were adults, and the oldest was 29. Hmm. And they thought they thought that that uh, 29-year-old was about 13 years old. Because uh, of uh, stunted growth from malnourishment. That's exactly it. David uh, Turpin, 57, by the way, he wears a page boy haircut. It's really an attractive hairstyle. There's no question about it. I mean, especially on this handsome devil. The guy looks like a complete fool. Uh, David Turpin, 57, and Louise Turpin, 49, were arrested on charges of torture and child endangerment and are being held on a $9 million bond each, the Los Angeles Times reports. The 13 victims, the youngest just two years old, were hospitalized. Police say they gave them food after they said they were starving. Horrified neighbors tell the press enterprise that they had no idea what was going on. Some didn't even know there were children in the house. Uh, A joint Facebook page shows the Turpins accompanied by their children renewing their wedding vows in Las Vegas. A 2011 bankruptcy filing seen by CNN states that David Turpin made $140,000 a year working as an engineer at Northrop Grumman. Well, then what the hell? I I have no idea. First of all, why would you have 13 children? 
That's a good question. Who's say- having sex with this guy? You know, <laughs> are you well, based, is that a value? So they, value judgment. This kind of thing tends to be a power thing. Uh, they need to exert power over something, and the more kids you have, the more power you can exert. So I think that's all it was. So that's what it is. They just have that many kids so they can rule lord over them. I believe so. Do. I mean, he's an engineer, so he clearly is, I mean, like, normally I would say too dumb to understand how contraception works, but if he's an engineer, he, you know, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Did they have a fundamental religious belief that would uh, 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 tend them toward having a large number of children? Yeah, that's the other thing is I was wondering if it was like some sort of cult or something. Well, I know that they didn't send their kids to school. They they homeschooled their children. Uh, I got to believe there's some kind of a religious angle to this, don't you think? Yeah, you worry. That, Doomsday that, cult? Yeah, doomsday cult or a particular religion. I mean, there's religions who, who uh, you know, really believe in that, uh, what's the verse, go forth and populate, and they just they feel like there's yeah. as many children as possible. And many religions that way. I mean, uh, across, you know, variety of denominations and faiths and faith systems and God belief systems. So I don't know. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I want to re-reference MLK for one uh, reason here. Cherokee Nation recognizes MLK Day for the first time ever. The tribe is seeking to make amends for its past with slavery. How many people in America do you think know that the Cherokee Nation was involved in slavery? Ooh, I didn't know that. I think I think every... I don't. I doubt that there is any nation in history that didn't have some sort of slavery at some point. Any society or any nation? No. I think you're probably There's right. There's no way. Hmm. Oh, most of the world still does have slavery, so there you go. Cherokee Nation leaders are marking Martin Luther King Jr. Day by acknowledging the tribe needs to come to terms with its treatment of former slaves known as freedmen. The tribe, one of the country's largest, recognized the King holiday for the first time Monday with participation in a parade and a visit to the Martin Luther King Community Center in Muskogee, Oklahoma, the AP reports. Cherokee Secretary of State Chuck Huskin, Jr., says Principal Chief Bill John Baker decided the tribe should honor the King holiday this year because of ongoing racial tensions nationwide and because the tribe is seeking to make amends on the slavery issue. A federal court ruled last year that the freedmen had the same rights to tribal citizenship, voting, health care, and housing as bloodline Cherokees. So they're apologizing for that. Now, well, that's, See, now that's a very bold move. That's a good move. They didn't have to do it. Right? Yeah, no one was ever going to like call them on it or anything. No one was ever going to call them on it. You're absolutely right about that. But they did it themselves, and that's an honorable. That's the honorable thing to do. So these were they slaves, really, slaves held by the Cherokees. That's what it. That's what it certainly does sound like. Basically, they made them. Uh, oh yeah, if you look at like the uh, specifics behind the uh, era back then, where it was you know whites fighting natives, natives fighting natives, whites fighting whites, et cetera, et cetera. Everyone was committing. All sorts of atrocities that we just never talk about for some reason. Oh, I mean, like, you know, yeah. we would go and burn a bunch of their houses, and then they would come and slaughter a bunch of women and children, and then, you know, we would poison them, and et cetera, et cetera, just forever. Yeah. And then we, but for some reason, we never talk about those uh, those injustices. And then we would hire uh, uh, freed black slaves to go out and uh, do the genocide uh, for us against yeah. uh, we had- Native Americans. I mean, what? You're right. It goes. It, there Andy, were several. It goes on and on and on. Yeah, it was just a big chain reaction of you know you did this to me, so I'm going to do this to you plus one, and then eventually it got to you know wounded knee territory. 
But there, there were several cases where uh, we allied with one tribe, and so because they wanted to wipe out another tribe, and they knew that we had the firepower to do it, and that kind of thing. It was a fun time for everyone. Yeah, really a fun time. Now we're talking about having a good time. I, uh... Well, I mean, if we had the means, then I think you know the Spanish would have wiped out the French or whatever. Oh yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. But there were just too many people in bo- on both sides. Because war, but, yeah. war is genocide. Pure yeah, and it's a, well, yeah, that's the ultimate goal, if possible. Is you know, if they're if the enemies are all gone, then you win by default, and you get to take their land. There you go. Oh. Exactly. We've only got about 45 seconds left in this segment, but now a missile alert goof in Japan. There was one in uh, Hawaii yesterday. Now, apparently today, there was one in Japan. What is the problem here? Well, the Hawaii one was their software. He had two buttons. There was one labeled test missile alert and one labeled missile alert. Oh, God. And for some reason, he thought, well, I'm testing, so I think I'll press the one that doesn't have test in the name because... Very smart fella. So he sends out an alert for no reason whatsoever. Now apparently it's happening in Japan as well. Is, is anybody at the wheel anywhere, or is the wheel just... Are we loaded with morons now? Is I don't think Japan hires incompetent people, really, so I'm wondering. So. You wouldn't think so. Yeah, if you do something like that in Japan, you're going to have a bad time. We'll be back, Tom Bernard Show. I'm Brad Huckle, president of North American Banking Company. Ask one of our bankers what they love about business banking. They always say the relationship with a client. Case in point, True North Oral Surgery and Implants is a longtime customer with a growing practice. Their banker, Julie Marshall, knows the ins and outs of what they do. So when they need working capital, an equipment loan, or funds for expansion, they call Julie. Are you looking for a banker you can count on? Give us a call. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Hi, this is Tom. If you spend any time at the lake, you can relate to hanging out on the dock with family and friends. Let Flow enhance your experience with their rock-solid dock systems. You see, Flow's passion to invent a better way to make life easier comes through in every product they make. Flow boat lifts are a breeze to level using a cordless drill with their patented Easy Level system. Flow is about making things easy, meaning you have more time to enjoy being at the lake. Isn't that why you go there in the first place? See for yourself why they've been perfecting leisure time since 1983. Visit Flow at the Minnesota Sportsman Show at River Center in St. Paul, January 18th through the 21st. Be sure to ask for the show special where, with a qualified purchase, you'll receive a free three-piece furniture set or free wireless remote. And mention you heard this ad on KQ for an additional $50 off a dock or lift system. To find out more about Flow Systems, visit their website at floeintl.com. Flow Docks and Lifts, a better way. But you couldn't find a uh, missile launch song to play. (laughs) No. Hey, it all works out in the end, right? You dropped a bomb on me. Yeah, we were just talking about this whole deal with the the false reporting of a missile launch. And did you see the videos of the mothers scrambling to get their children and to safety? And oh, well, yeah, in Hawaii, a single missile would wipe out the entire state. Exactly. So yeah, you would 
As soon as, and there's no basements in Hawaii, I don't think. I don't think so. Thank so I don't even know where you would go. Some people, I guess, going down the manhole covers. To, yeah, yeah, I saw that you're putting their kids down the manhole covers. That's I saw that. Probably the smartest thing to do is just get as far underground as you can. I guess so. Or bunkers, if they. You would think that a place like Hawaii would have some pretty big bunkers. Yes, you'd uh, think. I mean, it's it's close enough to enemy territory. And it's completely unguarded, and it's very vulnerable, so you'd think that... Or is it just like, you know, if someone attacks Hawaii, then too bad, lost cause? Yeah, or... Mm, I guess. But they would have some bunkers from World War II. They would still have that leftover yeah. kind of yep. derelict stuff yep. around. Yep, you're absolutely right about that. Hey, you know, as we go along in life, we always go, you know, are you going to retire at uh, 55, like some government workers do? Or, or, you know, people who served in the military, some retire at 55 years old, others at 60, 62, 65. Well, apparently the Mormon church doesn't care. The Mormon church appointed a 93-year-old former heart surgeon Tuesday as its new president. Mm. He's 93. I have a feeling he won't be lasting very long. What do you but... mean? He'll be around forever. No problem. Now, speaking of Mormons, huh. I think Mormons do this, but uh, apparently the movement you were thinking of, Ralph, is the quiverful movement. What's that? It's basically just have as many kids as you can. Quiverful. Oh, your quiver is full of children. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah, so uh, do Mormons do that, or is that not a Mormon thing? Yeah, I don't well, really know anything about yeah, Mormons. Ha- having a lot of children is, is encouraged. Uh, Catholicism, uh, at one point, and maybe to this yeah, day in some to. places, encourage a lot of children. I think that certain yeah. uh, conservative Jewish groups... Uh, Muslim groups, and even Hindu groups. Some of the conservative ones still uh, encourage that uh, based on your... I think the Muslim thing is based on your means. You can have as many kids as you want if you can afford them. You can care for them. And Thank you. Yeah. Right like that. That. But it's Why still, doesn't the Pope say, you know, if you can't afford another kid, then God will understand if you stop having kids? Because just, you know... You don't have to starve to death in order to keep that uh, family growing because that a lot that's happening a lot in South America because they're very religious and they're having lots and lots of kids and they're very poor. So the Pope should really intervene in that. I think. I, mm-hmm. I, we'll I see how it works out. I, I'd like I'd like I would agree with you, Andy. I'd like to see him sort of step up in that way. But you know, they have the religious beliefs and the doctrine is so inculcated and integrated that it's oh. Uh, the bureaucracy to doesn't try to change Pope, something. Doesn't the Pope kind of override that? Yeah, he's supposed to have divine insights. I mean, I think that's yeah, that's exactly. the belief uh, that I think is held. And yeah, you think, that, hey, uh, hey, I just realized something. I, I was just told uh, that this yeah, is the way exactly. it should be. Well, no, it's true. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Do it. You should have insights. That like makes that, total hope. sense. What stopped that whole thing from happening? Because it was happening for quite some time in America, and it seemed like probably maybe 40 or 50 years ago is when uh, people stopped thinking that having more kids was always the answer. Was that just like a, you know, cultural happenstance or? Or the urbanization of America, really. He wanted a lot of kids on the farm to help with the work. That's true. Because so much. There was, but, I mean, like a, your mom, dad, uh, yeah. there was no farm work there. No, that was that a Catholic was, thing. Yeah, that was just a purely Catholic thing. That but, like, a, why yeah. has that diminished so much in America? Because it's too expensive. Well, I mean, if you're living in Venezuela on $5 a month, so it's the, too expensive there, too. But. It's $24 a month. Get yeah. it right, first of all. It's not 5 bucks a month. It's $24 a month. Yeah, but they're still doing it. They are. You're absolutely right. Well, because you can't I'll afford birth control. The, uh, 
That's true. I mean, you know, the obvious solution is stop having sex, but apparently people are not going to be doing <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, that's a- not going to happen. Abstinence is no. a hard, hard pill to swallow, so to speak. Apparently. The Mormon Church appointed a 93-year-old former heart surgeon Tuesday as its new president following a long-standing succession plan that aims to keep the faith on course with a minimum of upheaval. The selection of Russell M. Nelson was announced by high-ranking Mormon D. Todd Christofferson during an address broadcast from Salt Lake City to Mormons around the world, per the AP. Nelson then spoke to Mormons, calling on them to keep the covenant path. Nelson was chosen as the religion's 17th president during a private meeting of the Quorum on Sunday, per church tradition that makes the longest-tenured member of the Quorum the new president. Nelson is now considered a prophet, a seer, and a revelator by Mormons. He succeeds Thomas Monson, who died January 2nd at age 90. Nelson is the second oldest man to assume the leadership of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which is based in Utah and counts nearly 16 million members worldwide. He will oversee the religious and business interests of the faith in collaboration with two top counselors and members of the Quorum, one of the faith's top governing bodies. Nelson's record during his three decades in church leadership suggests he will make few changes as he upholds church teaching and seeks to draw new members. Among the challenges he faces is adapting to the increasingly global nature of the church, which was founded in 1830 in the United States and now has nearly six in ten members living in other countries. I did not know that. I didn't either. That 60% of Mormons don't even live in the United States anymore? Oh, really? Yeah. Their evangelism sounds, I don't is know. Uh, relentless. Because they said they're each, huh. each devout Mormon, uh, te- uh, it wouldn't be, it'd be early adult, or young adult is supposed to go for two years to be evangelistic uh, in other other countries, and that's all they do. They go go from door to door, not a bit like Jehovah Witness, but a tiny bit different. And they uh, and they're mm-hmm. and they're, and they're just sort of to preach and to say, "Here's who we are. Here's what we believe in. Uh, what do you think?" And yeah, they, the people they get followers from yeah followers from all over. And it's a real so thing. what. What do they believe? What more? I, I have no idea what Mormons believe. Uh, well, it's it's a it's a you know, and I and I'll. I'll take criticism if I don't get this you know, perfectly, but it's a it's a Christian belief system that uh, adds to whatever that belief system. The fact that uh, there was a prophet who uh, who and there was a, was a civilization, the lost tribes of Israel, really came to America, and that's what the the tribes that lived here were that group. And the Book of Mormon sort of uh, goes through the uh, uh, trials and tribulation, the story of those groups in America. It was uh, translated. Uh, by Joseph Smith, uh, 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 with the uh, help of the uh, of the uh, angel Moroni, uh, who uh, helped gave him gave him the ability to translate the, the the Golden Tablets, which was the Book of Mormon. Then he sort of expanded that faith, and it continued west. Uh, there was huge persecution uh, all the way until until they get got out of uh, well, Illinois. Uh, traveled to Salt Lake City, and that's where they settled down because no one else was going to live there because they just weren't living there. That's where they stayed, and that's yeah. where the church is located in Salt Lake City. Now you know a lot about this because you did what? Re- did you res- residency or something I was in Utah? A, I was in medical school. I was, I was in medical school, and then a year oh, graduate school, school at the University of Utah. So I had a lot. Uh, three quarters of my class were returned missionaries at the University of Utah. Three quarters of your class were returned missionaries. Yeah. yeah. Did they ever try to put the arm on you to join up? Oh sure. Oh sure, everybody. Everybody well, was asked to come. Hey, come on to the service. Come on, let's take a look at the service. Yeah, and I and I said, eh, I got a belief system. I'm good. You know, I, I respect you, but no thanks. You know, I, I never really got involved. What's the What's the deal behind the special underwear part of it? 
Oh, there's, I'm not being a smartass here. There's special underwear. There's a, there's a, and I don't know the particulars of the belief system, but they wear. They're supposed to. We're supposed to wear uh, these sort of garments um, all the time uh, as part of your devotion to the faith. And there's a certain symbolism with regards oh, okay. to, to the garments and things like that. Uh, and you know, I took care of many patients who always had their garments on, and you know, and they're also supposed to be touching their garments, or they're supposed to be with them. I mean, it's not much, not much different than any kind of clothing dedication that you have. So whether we're, you're wearing a yarmulke or wearing a, a hijab or what, all those sort of things are just sort of say, this is my devotion. This reminds me of my faith, and it just that's what it is. I don't think it's a just a thing. And then when you go to the temple for uh, for the very private kind of uh, ceremonies there, then you wear even other special robes that are very private and very uh, I don't know. I wouldn't call them secret, but it's something that they keep to themselves, and it's, it's something that you wear there. Here we go. They're the temple garments, which are—they're yep. not really underwear. They're more like— I think they cover your I don't underwear. Know. I think they cover your underwear, their robes or something. I don't know. I, I can't they say. Cover—it's almost like a, a, a onesie, but for adults. <laughs> well, it is. Um, and, yeah, it's basically you're just supposed to wear them day and night, and Does there you go. protect you from— uh, I think it's just like Ralph said. It's like a hijab kind of thing. It's just like, you know, we wear this because that's uh, what we do. That's what we do. Yeah. Yes. It is a play Minnesota Vikings fans won't soon forget, nor Marcus Williams of the New Orleans Saints. The reason I'm uh, talking about this is, of course, your Minnesota Vikings take on Philadelphia at Philadelphia at, uh, what is it, at a 540 start on Sunday, right? Yep. Central time? Yep. 5.40 start on Sunday on Fox Television. The Vikings take on the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, the reason I'm reading this is not just the, the fact that the Minnesota Vikings are moving forward, but a very young man who shows a lot of character. It's a play Minnesota Viking fans won't soon forget, nor Marcus Williams and the New Orleans Saints. The Vikings won the NFL's divisional playoff game 29-24 over the Saints on Sunday in the last 10 seconds, with Stephon Diggs scoring a jaw-dropping 61-yard touchdown that sent the Vikings to the NFC Championship. Williams, the Saints' 21-year-old rookie safety, had likely been told not to commit pass interference and risk a flag, a source tells NBC Sports. So Williams dived to try to keep Diggs inside the line and keep the clock running. But it looks like Williams went too early and missed his mark, taking out one of his own teammates and giving Diggs a free lane to the end zone, effectively ending the Saints' season. Not effectively. It absolutely did. Uh, the Times-Picayune noted a red-eyed Williams faced reporters afterward. Did you guys see this? the uh, talk that he gave afterward? The interview? No. no. Very, very impressive. This uh, very impressive young kid, I'll tell you that. Uh, the Times-Picayune noted a red-eyed Williams face reporters afterward as teammates by his side to say their loss could have happened uh, one of many ways. NBC notes the whole fiasco may have been the fault of the Saints' defensive coordinator for a bad play setup, but that's not true. I saw the play setup. There was nothing wrong with his play setup. It just is uh, a situation where it just didn't work out. It just did not work out, and that's all there is to it. Um, NBC notes the fiasco may have been the fault of the Saints defensive coordinator for a bad play set up, and the New Orleans advocate points out Williams had a game-altering interception earlier on. But what's impressing most is Williams' resiliency and determination. He noted at the presser, he'd do all that I can to never let that happen again, and tweeted on Monday night that no, the season didn't end as planned, but one thing for sure, I won't let one play define the type of man or player that I am or I will be. Uh, they left out one important thing. He said, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have made that mistake. 
and if I ever mistake make that mistake again, I should not play in the NFL, which I thought was very, very impressive for a guy. He's a rookie, so he's, what, 23 years old, something like that, somewhere along the line there? Yes. Do you want to bring Nate on and then take a break after that? I think that would be a good idea. All right, we'll we'll do that. So he doesn't have to sit on hold forever. Nate Peterson, how are you doing, Nate? Good. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Promoting the oh, Ralph could end up in trouble. We have a doctor in our midst, uh, Nate, so he could end up in big trouble here. Uh, promoting the book Quackery: A Brief History of the Worst Ways to Cure Everything. <laughs> We're gonna, uh, Ralph, I, I want to hear you talk a lot to Nate about this whole idea because this is fantastic. What won't we try in our quest for perfect health, beauty, and the fountain of youth? Well, just imagine a time when doctors prescribing morphine. For cry, they, oh my God! They prescribe morphine for crying infants. Oh yeah, when, I still think that's a great idea. When liquefied gold was touted as Im- immortality in a glass, when strychnine, yes, that strychnine, the one used in rat poison, was dosed like Viagra. God, Jeez. Nate, I'm going to learn quite a bit here talking. To you. <laughs> I had no idea this was going on. So uh, basically, looking back with fascination, horror, and not a little dash of dark, knowing humor. Quackery recounts the lively, at times unbelievable, history of medical misfires and malpractices, ranging from the merely weird to the outright dangerous. Here are dozens of outlandish, morbidly hilarious treatments conceived by doctors and scientists, by spiritualists and snake oil salesmen. Yes, they literally tried to sell snake oil that were predicted, uh, excuse me, predicated on a range of cluelessness, trial and error, and straight-up scams. And that's the important part of this whole thing to me, the scamming element of it, the scamming part of it. Uh, we're going to talk all about this, but uh, Nate Peterson, we do have Dr. Ralph Basham with us, and I want to hear you two guys talking about this because this is a fascinating subject. We need to take a very quick break. We'll be right back with Nate Peterson, Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard here. Hey, would you turn down a job that paid you thirty to $60,000 an hour? That's basically what you're doing if you don't attend the SellerWorkshop.com series this month, hosted by the Chris Lindahl team with REMAX Results. In about an hour, you'll learn how to potentially make thirty to $60,000 more on the sale of your home. Chris, why are you giving away the secret sauce? Uh, great question. If you love something, set it free, right? Seriously, I'm on a mission to help people make the money they deserve when they sell their home. Whether it's my team or someone else, the fact is the world has changed when it comes to home selling. Yet people are still doing it the traditional way and leaving tens of thousands of dollars on the table. It drives you crazy when people do it wrong, doesn't it? I just hate seeing people lose money. At the SellerWorkshop.com series, you'll learn the methods we've developed at the Chris Lindahl team that have made us the number one REMAX results team in the nation. You walk out with all the tools you need to make tons more money on your next home sale. And it's totally free. The seller workshops are happening January 29th through the 31st. Seating is limited, and trust me, they sell out fast. Visit sellerworkshop.com or call 763-401-SOLD. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. 